Today on High Point with Ron Zappia. Put no confidence in the flesh. Put no confidence in who you are. Put no confidence in what you do. It isn't about who you are. It's not about what you do. It's about what Christ has done, what he wants to do through you. Welcome to High Point with Ron Zappia, pastor of High Point Church. I'm Steve Smith, and we're in our series called Unexplainable Joy. And Ron, today's message, it has a pretty intriguing title. You titled it The Protection of Joy. So what do you mean by that? Well, I think you'd agree with me, Steve, that people need the gospel, right? I mean, we all need it. The world needs it. But today, the gospel is under attack in our culture. The gospel has been pushed out of our schools, and our society wants to relegate it to ancient history or superstition. But it's our job to keep it alive, to protect it, because the gospel has the power of life. But how do we do that? That's what I want to talk to you about today. Well, I'm sure our listeners are turning up the volume right now to get this message. It's called The Protection of Joy. Here's Ron. If you have a Bible, open it up to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. If you're visiting with us, we're in a series. It's called Unexplainable Joy. And the title of the message today is about protecting that joy. We need to joyfully protect the gospel. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to give you five ways to joyfully, joyfully protect the gospel, to get back on track, to not drift We've got to stop the drift in the church. The Apostle Paul, please hear me, when he wrote this letter, what he was doing is he was protecting the church. First way to joyfully protect the gospel. We're going to jump right in at verse 1 of Philippians chapter 3. If you're a note taker, just write this down. Defend the gospel urgently. You're going to see the Apostle Paul is amped up. He says, finally, my brothers. So he's talking to the church. He's including sisters too. He says, rejoice in the Lord. But then look, he's got an issue that he wants to talk about with them. To write the same things to you is no trouble for me and is safe for you. But then look at verse two. Look out for the dogs. Look out for these dogs. Now he's not talking about literal dogs like German shepherds or black labs or poodles. He's talking about people. Look what it says next. Look out for the evildoers. See, there's some evildoers, there's some dogs, and look what they're trying to do at the end of verse two. Look out for those because they're trying to mutilate the flesh. Look in verse three, he says, for we are the real circumcision. That implies, careful reading of the text, that there's an unreal circumcision. There's an untrue circumcision. He's saying we're part of the real group who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Jesus Christ. And then here's the phrase. It's going to ring throughout the next 11 verses. Underline it now. Put no confidence in the flesh. Put no confidence in who you are. Put no confidence in what you do. It isn't about who you are. It's not about what you do. It's about what Christ has done, what he wants to do through you. Paul was confronting some false doctrine. How many believe we need to confront false doctrine? Well, let me be clear about what they were struggling with. So for the apostle Paul, is he was struggling with something that had happened. He was confronting a false gospel of the Judaizers. We'll put it right up on the screen. They were teaching, except Jesus, plus circumcision. That's what you did, or that's what your family did to you to prove the males were what? Were part of the family of God. 
That was what they did for works, to prove it. And then the law. So Paul was confronting, hey, you gotta have Jesus. Hey, you gotta get circumcised. Hey, you gotta keep the whole law. And they were teaching that that was salvation. So they were saying that equaled salvation. If you do all those things, that equals salvation. Now, the apostle Paul was confronting because that does not equal salvation. It doesn't equal salvation. Jesus plus circumcision plus the law, it doesn't equal salvation at all. False gospel. That's what he was confronting. I mean, it's serious stuff. And so what are the false gospels that you and I are confronting? Well, Jesus plus church attendance plus giving plus doing good works plus being a good person. It equals salvation. That's how you get to heaven. That's how God's pleased with you. Hey, if you do all these things or some kind of magical combination, the good outweighs the bad, then you're good. That's what Paul's going after. Different things in the equation but all the wrong thing. And this does not equal salvation. Why? Because Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, not as a result of work. So that, why? So that nobody can post. Not about what we do, about what Christ has done. Put no confidence in the flesh. Put no confidence in what you bring to the table. These things are the result of your relationship with Christ. That's not how you get to Jesus and earn favor with God. But then there's another false gospel. There's a false gospel that I think that sometimes we don't understand or don't think of it this way. And this is the one that I would suggest to you is most prevalent in the church today with the people outside the church. It's Jesus, everybody, yeah, cool, man, Jesus, good teacher, all this stuff, and other religions. Hey, what I can grab from here, the smorgasbord of it, I like this, I like that, plus whatever you think. Hey, I don't believe this, hey, I believe this. It's kind of like whatever you mix it up to be equals salvation, false gospel. That's prevalent in our thinking. Because why? Um, Please write down John chapter 14, verse 6. If you don't have this one in your memory banks, got to get in the holster, man, to to fire it off around every once in a while. Certainly Martin Luther was. It says in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. Like, I am the doorway. I am the door of salvation. I am the gateway. What's the real gospel? What's the one that we understand? Well, the true gospel is Jesus plus nothing. Like, are you putting no confidence in the flesh? You don't bring anything, man. It's like, hey, sorry to tell you this. I know you came to church. You were expecting a good message. You're really bad. You think evil. Your heart, the scripture says, is deceitful. Yeah, turn to their neighbor and say, yeah, you're a bad person too. (laughs) We all are. I mean, we all Uh, We all bring nothing. It's Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Now, please hear and understand my heart. We're going to see it through the message. Certainly, it requires belief in that truth and repentance for sin. We're going to get to that in a moment. But it isn't about being a good person. That we need to understand this message and defend the gospel message urgently. This is an urgent message. Always be prepared to give a defense for the hope that is within you. Second way, we need to protect the gospel. We need to understand the gospel completely. And please, slow down for a moment. And what's happened is we veered off the path again. We will continue to veer off the path. 
Do not take it for granted that the people that you know or that are in your home understand the gospel completely. What is the gospel? It changes everything. Well, Paul's about to tell you, and he's about to do this. He's going to give his resume. He's got an impressive resume. He's going to rattle off four things that he inherited that put him at the top of the class. Hey, what was Paul in school? I'll tell you what, man. He was the valedictorian. He was the one. He was at the top. He was rated number one. Four things he inherited and then three personal achievements that just put him over the top that he said, I'm the man. Like, I just got to tell you right now, I'm the man. Now, he's not going to say it quite like that, but be a good reader and you're going to see it. Look what he says in verse four. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, i.e., you think you got confidence in the flesh? Oh, just hold on for a moment. You don't know who you're talking to, okay? I got confidence in the flesh. How come? Look at the list. I love this. He says, I have more than you. What? Verse five. He says, circumcised on the eighth day. What does that mean? Well, he's just simply saying he's not a convert to Judaism. He is in the purest sense. Next thing that he inherited, the people of the people of Israel. He's God's chosen people. But next thing, not even God's chosen people. I mean, that's good. But I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, for us, we just kind of gloss over that. We don't really understand what it means. Benjamin was a son of Jacob. He was the son of Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel. So he's like, hey, I was from the good stuff. And Benjamin, he was the only son that was born in the promised land. So he's like, guys, I got to have history and a resume here. Like, my family tree is pretty pure. And then he says next, I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews. He says, as to the law, I'm a Pharisee. So he did everything the law said. And and then then he said this. He says, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. And so he was the one that called the hit on the Christian church. So when the church was forming, Paul was the guy that they were afraid of because he was trying to extinguish the gospel of the church. He knew firsthand. He ordered the hit in Acts chapter 7 of the stoning of Stephen. Paul did that. And then look what he says next. He says, under the law, well, at first he says, as, as to righteousness, you want to talk about righteousness? I, like, I got all of it. Under the law, blameless. So what he's saying is simply this, that if anybody's going to lay a resume out there, I'm the man. He was perfect in every way. Note to self, if Paul couldn't do it, you don't have a chance. There's more coming up on High Point with Ron Zappia. Today's message is called The Protection of Joy. You can request a copy by phone when you call 844-HP-RADIO or head online to highpointministries.com. There's so much more to come, so stay with us. Joy. Everyone wants it, but not everyone knows how to get it. It's often thought to be the same as happiness, an unstable emotion that comes and goes based on the circumstances of life. But joy from God defies the odds and goes against the grain of how society defines it. Here at High Point Ministries with Ron Zappia, we want you to experience the supernatural delight that joy brings in the person of God, the purposes of God, and the people of God. That's why throughout the month of March, for a donation of any amount to High Point Ministries with Ron Zappia, we'll send you Unexplainable Joy, a journey through Philippians. 
Walk through the Unexplainable Joy teaching series with Pastor Ron and use this study to apply each message to your life so you can elevate your faith and experience true, unexplainable joy in your life. Give us a call at 844-HP-RADIO to receive your copy of this original High Point Ministries resource for a donation of any amount, or request this resource online at highpointministries.com. You're listening to High Point with Ron Zappia. This is just one message from our series called Unexplainable Joy. You'll find the audio and video for these messages on our website when you go to highpointministries.com. For now, there's more with Pastor Ron. Now, the reason the gospel is not understood completely is because we think we bring something to the table. Most of us, we overestimate ourselves in God's eyes. Why? Because we compare ourselves to others. We're comparing ourselves to the wrong standard. Can I get an amen? So we're, we're comparing ourselves to others, and we overestimate our goodness in God's eyes. And then why? Because we underestimate the seriousness of the sin in our very own lives because we compare it to Jeffrey Dahmer or some other mass murderer. Well, I never killed anybody. And so that's the problem, is our eyes are comparing one another to each other. That's contrary to the gospel. I heard an example of this, and I've used it before with some friends uh, over a cup of coffee when I get a piece of paper out or a napkin. And this shows, let me give you a couple illustrations so that we can help understand the gospel completely. I heard this from an area pastor here, and it's stuck with me ever since. He would take a piece of paper out or a napkin and he would just be proving, hey, we overestimate ourselves. And he would write God's standard of goodness at the top. And then so do you see it's like a vertical thing and then he would just say, hey, well, what about the Apostle Paul? Well, where does he fit? And he'd ask the person. And well, he, you know, just under God's standard, I'm sure he's at the top. Hey, how about Mother Teresa? I mean, she gave her life for the gospel and fed the poor. And did all, where does she fit? Well, she's just a little below him. Hey, how about Billy Graham? And do you understand the, the analogy? You're, you're writing the names in. Yep, I, he's saying, well, you're letting your friend pick. Where's this person? And they say, well, what about me? Hey, I'm a pastor. Where do you think I fit? And then they, you know, I, I don't have room. I'm, I'm down here. And, and then this is the question. Hey, hey where do you fit? Where, where would you put yourself on this line? Have you ever thought about that? In regards to God's standard of goodness, where, where are you? And then, I don't know, my friends, they always put themselves ahead of me. I don't know but that's okay. But where would you put yourself? Because it isn't about a comparison with others. It's about what? It's about the seriousness of our own sin. And we're not as good as we think. So Romans chapter three, it says this. It says that none is righteous, not even one. Like you can't understand the solution of the gospel without embracing the problem. There's none righteous, not even one. And so another example to understand the gospel completely. I've used this one before. If you think about sports, I mean, I'm a huge sports fan. And so think about sports for a moment and think about baseball. I know it's hard for us right now. We should be there. We're not. But just think about, generally speaking, what's a good hitter hit? Well, 250 is awesome. I mean, 275, 300? I mean, 300 is a great hitter in baseball. Think about basketball, my favorite sport. What's a good shooter shoot? Somebody who shoots, you know, I mean, 45, 48%. I mean, that's amazing. 
If you're shooting over 50%, 50 or 51, usually because you're a big guy taking the shots close, but that's amazing. I mean, behind the arc, the three-pointer, if you're shooting 30%, 35, that's pretty good. Hey, let's take golf, another sport that I love, not very good at. What's a good score? Well, gosh, if you're shooting par, I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, that's unbelievable. Well, in God's economy, follow the bouncing ball. That in baseball, in God's economy, goodness is I get to the plate every time and I hit a home run. Every single time. I bat a thousand percent. Hey, I'm a basketball player. Guess what? You know what my shooting percentage is? A thousand. I've never missed. As a matter of fact, I just for fun sometimes during the beginning of the games, I just bounce the ball at half court and kick it in and it just goes in. Anything I do, when I touch a basketball, it's going in the hole. Golf? How am I doing at golf? God's standard of goodness in golf. Well, hey, what'd you shoot today? Well, what I always shoot. What's that? 18. <laughs> yeah, I get up to the hole. Doesn't matter if it's a par five, par four, par three. I hit it. It goes in the hole. It's almost become a really boring game for me. 18 every single time. Are you getting the picture? In God's economy, the standard for goodness is perfection. Please write that phrase down. In God's economy, the standard of goodness is perfection. That means nobody can cut it. So we have to understand the gospel completely. How many people will give me a thumbs up and say, I know where you're heading, Ron. I know what that's talking about. I get it. I got that. Good stuff. Give me a thumbs up. Come on. Even in the balcony. Got it? We got it. Okay, so it made you do that to say this. Now, the third joyful way to respond or how we protect the gospel is we need to communicate the gospel clearly. So now we need to communicate it. And if you gave me a thumbs up, you are responsible for communicating this message. Notice in verse 7 what the apostle Paul says. He says, but whatever gain I had counted as loss for the sake of Christ. So he's like, hey, whatever I did, it's no good anymore. Indeed, I count everything as loss. All that I did before I accepted Christ genuinely in my heart. Why? Because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. He says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as, what does your text say? Rubbish. It's garbage. Underline that phrase. We're going to come back to it. In order that I may gain Christ. Wow. So everything you've ever done to earn favor with God is garbage? It's rubbish? Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6 says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. Interesting phrase I asked you to underline, that word rubbish that's translated in my version. That's the only time in the Greek language that that word is used in the, excuse me, it's the, the Bible is, um, the New Testament is written in Koine Greek. It's not written anymore. And so studiers of the Bible, that word is only found this time in that passage. And so it's very important. It's a really harsh word. It means exactly what it says, rubbish. It's talking about your excrement. It's, it's talking about like what's, it, it's not good. So what's Paul saying? Let me show you an emoji. The sum total of the Apostle Paul's heritage and accomplishment. That this is what he's saying. And just like this emoji is smiling back at you, that's what your accomplishments are doing. Oh, look what I've gotten you. Look what I've gotten you. Look at it. No, the sum total of the Apostle Paul's heritage and accomplishments, it's this. I mean, it's, it's true. 
And so it is, yes, it is true when talking about the gospel that what? And we need to understand this message that the sum total of what we bring to the table, the reason why Martin Luther went to the doorway is because it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And the scripture says that we are sinners in the hands of a God who is a just God. And so the sum total is not good. We need to understand how to communicate the gospel clearly. Now, what the apostle Paul tells us is he says this in verses seven through nine. He says, look at verse nine, and be found in him, here's the key phrase, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, that comes from me earning favor with God. He says, but what? That it comes through faith, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. The law was just a schoolmaster, Paul would write in other places, to point us to Christ. The law is not about the fact that you can keep the whole law, but that you will break the law. It's not there for you to, what? It's there for you to see that I, I, I need, I, I'm going to break this. So let me share an example of what it means by righteousness. And so when he says this, there's a righteousness of my own that comes from what I do. I chose a black coat today. And the reason I chose a black coat is for this illustration. So we all have a black coat, so to speak. This black coat is represented about what we do. This is represented by the way that we've misrepresented ourselves, that the scripture says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this is about our righteousness. And so what you need to do to communicate the gospel clearly is that the coat's got to come off. You got to understand that, you know what, my righteousness is like filthy rags. And so my human nature and depravity is just like this coat, and, and, and I've got to get far from it. I've got to drop it. I've got to take something off. If I want to be right with God, I can't come in on my own. My own righteousness is no good. But then there's this righteousness that's imputed. And this imputed righteousness is from Christ. And the only way that I'm getting to where I want to be with God is if I take the time to put on his coat of righteousness. And so when I put on his white coat I have here, and now I'm in a place where what? Where it's not about what I do, it's about what Christ has done. And if you want to get into the banquet at the end of the day, at the end of the age, you can't get in with your coat. Are you hearing me? You got to get on the coattails of Christ. And so you have to put on his righteousness. And theologians tell us that it's imputed. There's so much in that word. That means we can't earn it. That means we don't deserve it. That means we do nothing to get it. That means, that means by simply faith, and respond. That's Pastor Ron Zappia here on High Point teaching about the importance of protecting the gospel. Today's message is titled The Protection of Joy, and you can download it for free on our website when you go to highpointministries.com. Well, Ron, protecting the gospel, that really sounds like a weighty, a heavy responsibility for all of us. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, there's plenty of ways the gospel is under attack today, you know, more than ever. 
And Christ has called us to protect the gospel and to share it and to trust God to guide us as we step out in faith. But we've got to be prepared, which means we need to understand the gospel. We need to be able to communicate the gospel. And that doesn't mean we need to be a theologian, but we need to understand the basic truths of what the gospel message is about so we can effectively share it and defend it when appropriate with love to the people that God has placed around us. It is a huge responsibility, but it's also a privilege. As the Bible says, we need to be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in us. And next time, be sure to join me when we'll go even deeper into this important topic. Well, Ron, thanks so much for that great reminder today. You're listening to High Point with Ron Zappia, and today's message reminds us that it's our privilege as Christians to protect the gospel. And here at High Point, we take this privilege so seriously. We're here every day on the radio and on the podcast sharing messages that protect and proclaim the gospel. And if you find yourself growing and being challenged by Pastor Ron's messages, we want to invite you to partner with us. High Point is a listener-supported ministry, and that means that your financial gifts help ensure these messages stay on the air and in your community. So take the next step and join the High Point team when you donate today. You can give by calling 844-HP-RADIO. That's 844-477-2346 or go online to highpointministries.com. If you prefer to send a check, write to High Point Ministries, P.O. Box 281, Naperville, Illinois, 60566. And when you make a donation of any amount, we have a special thank you that's going to be coming your way. It's a unique High Point resource called A Journey Through Philippians. It's a study guide that tracks with every lesson in Pastor Ron's Unexplainable Joy series, and it also comes with a USB drive preloaded with every inspired sermon in this series. So give today and request the Philippians study guide and USB drive when you call 844-HP-RADIO or do the same online at highpointministries.com. I'm Steve Smith. Tomorrow we'll return with another lesson in Philippians. We're learning about the advancement of joy Wednesday on High Point with Ron Zabia. 